Thank you for choosing to listen to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. For more resources and information on our church or our team, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Good morning, Hope Rock Church. So good to see you on this uh, cold and uh, Christmassy kind of day. Uh, I think uh, winter finally arrived. <clears throat> Uh, to piggyback on that announcement on how to give, uh, if you would like to participate in the Christmas Impact Offering, which part of that will go to feeding 10 families here in the Lake Travis area, I invite you to go ahead and click on the app or download the app and give and mark that uh, offering or that gift uh, as Christmas Impact Offering or meals. Uh, to date, we have raised $88,000, and our goal is $150,000. let us give the Lord a hand. Uh, you all are super generous, and that's to further the, uh, the kingdom work here in the Lake Travis area. So we are uh, very grateful and excited that you are partnering with us in advancing the good news this Christmas. There is no Christmas Eve service this Christmas Eve. Anybody know the dates of Christmas Eve? December 24th. Anybody know the day? Because I'm still trying to get this figured out. Friday. Friday, do not come to church because we will not have church. Friday, we're having church. I'm confusing myself. Sunday, we're not having church. Friday, we're having church, 4.30 or 6. Grab a postcard, invite a friend, and uh, uh, join us. Uh, January 15th, DNA, that's uh, how you get to know about the church and whether or not you want to partner with us. Uh, this morning at the 9 o'clock service, we had the pleasure of welcoming two new family members, Rob and Susie Rinke, to our church. So if you know Rob and Susie, uh, tell them hello and congratulations. If you don't know them, make a point too. They're really nice people. And the Lord is continuing to grow our church in numbers, and he's bringing some awesome people our way to help further the mission of Hope Rock Church. My name is Mark Batten. I am one of the pastors here at Hope Rock Church, and I'm also the Fight Club guy. You might know me from my intimidating videos, uh, you know, uh, fighting. It's all around us. If you haven't seen it, you will. We need to bring that back into rotation. But uh, I come across as not a very peaceful guy, and today I get to preach on peace, of all things. Uh, last year, I preached on joy during Advent, and my wife looked at me and said, joy? You ain't got no joy. How are you going to preach on joy? And my response was, I have joy, joy, joy deep down in my heart. Anyway, the old Baptist folks will know that song. Uh, so peace is uh, today's uh, final part of the Advent series message. And Advent Really, it only means this. So this is the primary meaning. It's the coming or, or the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And of course, we're celebrating the arrival of Jesus Christ and all that that means to us today. We've covered hope, faith, joy, and today is peace. And I'm going to just open us up in prayer, and I'm going to guide you through what I think the Lord's trying to teach us this morning. And uh, I hope you're blessed because of it. Uh, bow your heads if you would, please. Father God, I just ask that as we take a look at peace... Uh, your peace, uh, peace that is everlasting and secure and eternal and rock solid. I pray that we would uh, learn how we can uh, receive that for ourselves. And I pray that during this time of uh, 
uneasiness and chaos that we would find peace in the midst of uncertainty and Christmas presents and bills and work schedules and all that comes with the holidays. I pray that you'd bless this time and let me speak your truth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I love peace and quiet. I'm a peace and quiet kind of guy. You come to my house, and if there's chaos, I'm coming unglued. I do not like chaos. Am I the only one in the room that likes order? I think God's a God of order, right? Didn't he perfectly order the planets and call everything to be? They all have perfect rhythm. I like that. I, my wife doesn't buy it when I tell her that God's a God of order and peace. Uh, I, there's, a, there's an argument to be uh, made. I'll make it this morning that he's also a God that uh, can ruffle feathers and create some chaos, uh, because uh, he knows what's best for us and what will bring maximum glory to himself. So I love peace and quiet. I love Frank Sinatra. I love Lawrence Welk. Any Frank Sinatra or Lawrence Welk fans in here? Okay. God bless you. Uh, you'll find me in my office all week long working, and I've got the lights perfectly dimmed. I've got the music at the right level, and boy, I can find peace. I can get into my peace groove and uh, be productive, but mess that up, uh, I will not be happy. Now, this time of year, we sing all kinds of songs that reference peace. And uh, doesn't it kind of make you feel peaceful this time of year as you hear these songs playing on your radio or uh, streaming online? Uh, here's a couple of them. Silent night, holy night. All is calm and all is bright. I don't know about you. It's, it's very rare that it's calm at my house, especially when my children, who are grown up, come, bring their dogs and their boyfriends. I'm sure those of you who have little kids uh, will find it difficult to be calm uh, Christmas night. Round yon virgin. I didn't know what a round yon was. It's kind of a weird slang word. I, you know, it, it means it's an antiquated word for that one or, hey, over there. And that round yon virgin is none other than Mary, uh, the Virgin Mary. Mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. And then, of course, you have Hark the Herald Angels saying, Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Who doesn't love mercy? Mercy mild and peace and calm and all that. Uh, but that's not life. Uh, the Lord put this on my heart. I want to share this with you. This is really what I'm hoping you'll take away from uh, this morning. It's this, is that peace is not as much a state of mind as it is a state of being. Where one state of mind describes emotions, mainly what feelings are present in the moment, one state of being concerns current circumstances and place in life. And I'm hoping that by the end of this morning, you'll realize that if you are in Christ, the peace that uh, surpasses all understanding is rooted in your being. It's, it's who you are in Him and not circumstances. If you are looking for circumstances to line up just right so that you can experience peace, uh, I have news for you. It's fleeting, and it's not going to last long, and there's usually strings attached to that peace in which you are striving for. Uh, so circumstances really do drive emotions, but the good news is if you're in Christ, your emotions are also uh, impacted by your position in Christ. That may be a lot. I'm going to unpack that for you real quickly here. And we're going to do that by looking at the birth of Jesus. How novel is that? It's Christmas. We're going to look at the birth of Jesus. If you would, turn to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read 1 through 14. 
If you have a Bible app, feel free to open it up on your phones or your tablets. If you have a paper book, go ahead and do that, or you can just follow along with me up here. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, the, who was governor of Syria, uh, instituted that. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. I just so happened to have a little baby Jesus here in swaddling cloth. I don't know if you can see that. I took that from the children's wing this morning. They made that. But, uh, you know, we have sweet baby Jesus, oftentimes reduced to a meme or a bumper sticker, or maybe we uh, irreverently say sweet baby Jesus is sort of a cuss word. Uh, maybe we call on sweet baby Jesus in a time of need. But this sweet baby Jesus right here in his little swaddling cloth uh, has something different to say about why he came and who he is, his demeanor, his purpose, his mission. Matthew 10, 34, this, this is Jesus' words right here. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Baby Jesus came, not that he might be a, a peace offering, though he is in the sense that he made peace with heaven through his sacrifice. He's not a, a symbol of God's peace and love for us, though he certainly represents the heavenlies. He's, he's not a, a good luck charm. He's not a Christmas ornament. He is God incarnate, means he took on flesh, became one of us, and he's coming to do business. He came to do business. I come not to be your little memento or token of peace, but I have come that you might have peace, but he's coming with a sword. It's not a sword we might think of. It's a symbol of his authority and the battle in which was about to take place. Uh, Genesis 3.15, we have the first reference of this battle. Anybody remember what happened in the Garden of Eden? The snake tempted Eve and Adam, and they both uh, committed a sin against God. Did God uh, punish them? In a sense, he did. He punished all of us. We live in a fallen world, and that's for another time and another sermon. But he went to the serpent, the enemy. I don't know if he pointed his finger at him, but that's kind of the attitude. He basically said, buddy, there's going to be a holy war between Eve's offspring, which is us, and his offspring, which are people that don't believe. Now, that's news to some of us, right? I'm a child of the devil? Yes. The, Jesus says, you're either a child of the devil or you're the child of God. There's no in between. By faith, we become children of God. 
But he looked the serpent in the eye and said, there's going to be a holy war. And yeah, you're going to nip at the heels of my beloved children. And you're going to inflict some pain and suffering. And you might tempt them to sin now and then. But I'm going to crush you, buddy. That's what he was saying. I'm going to crush your head. This is what the sword was all about. Boom. Jesus came to take care of that business and fulfill that uh, prophetic utterance that was made in the Garden of Eden. I'm going to take care of business. Uh, Jesus was on the offensive for you. Not just for the believers. He came for everybody. Jesus came and died on the cross for everyone. Everyone knows John 3, 16, right? If you don't, you should memorize it. It's the crux of the gospel. For God so loved the world. The world stands for everybody he created. That he sent his only son, only unique son, his begotten son, his special son, that he might die in our place and we could be set free from our sin and shame and experience everlasting life. The Prince of Peace exercised his heavenly authority, or he was, when he got to Golgotha, which is Calvary, which is a fancy word for that's where he died on the cross. He drew a line with that sword between heaven and hell. He separated the believers from the unbelievers. He separated the darkness from the light. has a lot of creation kind of imagery to it, doesn't it? Jesus came to separate those who would be eternally preserved and saved from those who would not. He separated the wheat from the chaff. That's a parable. I don't want to get into that either. But there was business to be done. Jesus drew a line in the sand. And my question to us and to you and to me this morning, which side of that line do we find ourselves now, if you're uh, sitting there feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, Jesus is disappointed with me. Maybe he's going to use that sword on me. Maybe he's going to punish me because I am not uh, all that I should be. Uh, John 12, 47 should be a comfort to you and to me. Jesus, this is Jesus again. The same one who's uh, wielding the, sto- the sword is saying, I did not come to judge the world. I didn't come to judge you, but I came to save the world. That's amazing, amazing uh, truth and words that uh, give me comfort all the time. Continuing in our story of uh, the birth of Jesus, verse 10 says, I'm sorry, verse 8 goes on and says, And in the same region were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That good news of great joy is the gospel. Great news. You and I can experience the presence of the Father, not only today, but for all of eternity. We can experience the peace that only comes with being reconciled to God in heaven. We can have peace as we begin to uh, shed the sin in our lives that that shackles us and keeps us from being uh, productive citizens in the kingdom of God. This peace, knowing that God the Father loves you despite what you do, what you've done in your past, what you will do, is amazing. Verse 11 continues, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior Who is Christ the Lord? 
That's Advent. The Savior came. Christ Jesus came. Christ took on flesh that he might be empathetic and sympathetic for us. He might be the perfect sin offering for us that we might enjoy fellowship with him and our Father in heaven. Now, I had to kind of confess this morning a little bit, uh, you know, I'm not a funny guy. I mean, usually by now you've heard a couple of jokes, right? From Charlie or Marco. I'm just not that guy. You know, I wish I was more fun. I I do. My wife wishes I would be more fun. You know, I'm a fuddy-duddy. I'm in bed at 9 o'clock at night. I'm up early. But, you know, uh, some things you just can't make fun of or uh, throw a joke in. And so I hope you understand my heart. I really want us all to understand the magnitude of Christ coming this Christmas season and that you too can have joy and peace and hope and faith. Verse 14, I'm sorry, verse uh, 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped and swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, if you have the ESV, I believe that that version, I think the NIV, the NASB, I think uh, uh, translates the Greek the most accurate. It says the, that uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, the KJV, the King James Version, or the New King James Version, says goodwill towards men. And we have a lot of hymns, right, and Christmas songs where we speak of this goodwill towards men that God is bestowing upon us, and we, we take that lightly. We take that as if we're deserving of that goodwill. Uh, is anybody here deserving of anything that God has to offer? Are any of you uh, pleasing in God's sight apart from Christ who lives in you? We, the Bible's clear. We have nothing to offer. We, apart from uh, being born again and renewed and taking on the identity of Christ, there's nothing pleasing about us. And yet, verse 14 says, glory to God in the highest. These are the host of angels, the army of angels singing this. On earth, there's peace among those whom he is pleased. In other words, I believe it's a prophetic pronouncement from heaven above that anyone who receives God's grace will receive God's peace. And the grace of God is that he would save us apart from ourselves, apart from works, apart from your bank account, your lot in life, your title, how well you've behaved last week, how bad you're going to behave next week. Sounds like you're, I'm talking about myself here. That is awesome news that we will receive the peace of God as we receive the grace of God. Colossians 1:19 through 20 puts it this way. For in him, this is Christ, for in him all the fullness of God Jesus was lacking nothing when he became a baby. How many want to go back and be a baby? I don't want to, you know, babies are messy. Babies are helpless. 
Babies sometimes are sick and they cry and they're needy. Jesus was none of that, yet he became that. And I was reminded this week of uh, some people in my life who are physically and emotionally sick. Would I want to even just for a minute, let alone 33 years of my life, walk in their shoes so I could empathize with them, sympathize with them, know how to pray for them, know what they need? I couldn't do it. I don't want to take anybody's sickness on so I could get to know them better and somehow help them. That's what Jesus did. He who knew no sin, the Bible said, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. He who knew no pain, no suffering, was always joyful, always present with the Father and the Holy Spirit, who was in perfect unity, took on flesh, became a baby in a manger. I find that to be amazing. And why did he do that? For me and for you. Glory to God in the highest and on peace to those who he is pleased. We are only pleased, pleasing to the Father as we are transformed into the likeness of his Son. Isaiah 59.2 puts it this way, but your iniquities, which is your sins and your transgressions and, and all the things you've done that violate God's character, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. That separation, folks, is why Christ came with his sword, that the two might become one, that that gap between you and heaven would be bridged by the cross of Jesus. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself to all things. Not just to some things, all things. Jesus came to reconcile all things to the Father, all things in heaven and on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. You see, God, in his forbearance, the Bible tells us, in other words, in his wisdom and his uh, ability to see the beginning from the end, uh, in his glory, did not deal with the sins of the world as they should have been dealt with on the spot. How many of you know that if God dealt with your sins on the spot, we'd all be toast, right? The Bible says that uh, God passed over the sins of the people until the right time, Then he could deal with it once and for all. And this is what we have here. The need for God's holy wrath to be uh, appeased or dealt with on the cross of Jesus Christ had finally come. Jesus came and dealt with that. The Father now has given us the grace needed to see our need for a Savior, to see our separation from God. And by faith, we receive what Jesus did on the cross. He not only reconciled the, the heaven and the earth, but he reconciled us for who, those of us who believe that Jesus is the Son of Man come to take our place on, on the cross. He, he took on the penalty of sins that we should have uh, taken on for ourselves. Uh, a recent poll was done by church-going people a thousand something uh, participants by a, uh, a polling, a Christian polling uh, group. 63%. In other words, uh, everybody but who wants to be holy today? Who wants to? Okay. <laughs> the young man back there is raising his hand. I want to be holy. Okay. Basically, you are the only people that believe that Jesus existed from eternity past. 
The rest of you think that he just showed up on the scene in a manger and was somehow God's representative of the kingdom above. Jesus existed for all of eternity, and it was the Father's plan from the beginning of eternity. And there is no such thing as the beginning of eternity. There's, it was his plan all along to send his son, a representative of the, the Trinity, to take our place, to die on the cross. That's amazing to me that he would do that. God reconciled himself to, 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 to sin or to, and to us by the cross. We've been reconciled to God through faith in Jesus. So this reconciliation, this peace that Jesus brings, it, this peace demanded blood. Not our blood, Jesus' blood. And for that, I am very thankful. 1 John 4.10 says this, love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God didn't do this because he felt like he owed us something because somehow we loved him. No, it's not because we loved him. We had not the capacity to love God. In fact, I still find it difficult to love God the way that God deserves to be loved. A holy, magnificent, wonderful God deserves more than what I bring him in my offering every day of love and devotion. But as I continue maturing in my faith, I feel as though I'm, I'm able to love him even more rightly, more honorable, uh, more honorably, I should say. It's not that we love God first, but he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Romans 5.1, this is the response. This is what happened to us who placed our faith in Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, justified is a fancy word for saying considered innocent, considered not guilty. You are right. You are justified. We have been justified and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That bridge, that gap, that separation was taken care of by our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in 1975, boy, I just dated myself, right? 1975, at the age of nine years old, after moving five times, through three different states, or living in three different states, entering third grade, boy, it was a dysfunctional family I was in. I, I love them, but there was some dysfunction, and with that came anxiety, and with moving, and never making friends, and being picked on, and always put, it, put in the wrong class at school, because I always said I was smarter than I really was, or I took classes I didn't even take yet, because I wanted to, you know, be accepted, and, I, and I'm failing, and I'm, you know, I'm nine years old, and, and I'm anxious, and I'm uneasy, and I'm scared. And I'm in my bunk bed, and my baby brother's down here. And I remember as a, well, I'm still a little kid at nine years old, right? But even a littler kid, like maybe three or four, I was exposed to the gospel at Sunday school. And, and I'm, salvation's a mystery. Some might say, well, you have to repent from your sins, and you have to proclaim that Jesus is going to be the Lord of your life. Nothing I read in the Bible says that. It says, if you call the name of Jesus, you will be saved. If you believe in his name, you will be saved. And I laid in my bed just scared because the next day was school. And I just, I just laid there. And all I, could, all I could do was say, Jesus, come in my heart. Something 
incredible happened when I prayed that prayer at nine years of age. I could still remember it to, to this day. This, this warmth I've never felt before came upon me. And this peace I've never felt before came upon me. It was in that moment that the Lord saw my heart and my need for a Savior. He saved me and, and, and counted me as his own. I was his child, of, his son from that point forward. Now, this is more descriptive than prescriptive. I'm not saying you have to have warm and fuzzy feelings when you get saved. If the heart and the mind agree that Jesus is the Son of God and you by faith receive what he did for you, you're in the kingdom of God. But maybe you're blessed with some special event or special uh, moment or something that would forever mark that day as a, as, a, as a glorious day in your Christian walk. That happened to me. Nine years of age, scared, and the peace of Christ that I to this day cannot fathom or understand came upon me. And yeah, there was days in my life beyond that where I didn't have peace. I was still in the same family, and I still did things later on in life that caused me a lot of anxiety and, and, and lack of peace. But that peace that is not circumstantial never left me. I knew what I knew, that I was a child of God. So there's three steps to experiencing everlasting peace that I want to share with you today, and I just did. Be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus. That's point number one. If you want peace that lasts forever, peace that will stand the test of, of time, peace that will transcend all circumstances in your life, be reconciled to God through faith. Peace with God is the ultimate peace we could ever hope to receive, to be reconciled to the Father. John 14, 2, 3 says this, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And if you have a, 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 a pen and you want to circle your tablet, I know that you don't want to do that, but maybe your book or your Bible, I would circle and understand, we will come to him and make our home in him. So this is not salvific. This is, this is not, in my opinion, how you get saved. You don't get saved because, oh, I love you, Jesus, and I'm going to keep your word. You have not the capacity to love Jesus. You have not the capacity to keep his word until the Holy Spirit is living in you. This has everything to do with fellowship and not relationship. This is not about salvation as much as it is experiencing experiencing the peace of Christ as you walk in obedience. Look at this. If you love me and keep my word, look what happens. God's going to love you and me and the Holy Spirit, we're all going to make our home in you. Now, th to me, that is the, uh, the, the uh, if there's ever a greater picture of peace than that, to have the Trinity who has always been in unity always been in peaceful coexistence with one another, living in you, approving of you, empowering you. I find that to be amazing. Can I get an amen? amen. I'm starting to wonder. You know, usually Marco sits up here, and when you're a guest preaching, you know, you get, wow, wow, that's good. Wow, that's good. You know, and I feed off of that. It's like, okay, I'm on, I'm on to something here. Uh, anyway, I appreciate that little amen there. So that is my second uh, step for you today for experiencing everlasting peace. You need to know, love, and obey God's word. 
Know, love, and obey God's word. As you walk in obedience, you will feel the peace. Oftentimes, I feel so out of whack and so anxious and so scared and so just like not deserving of, of being in the presence of God because I'm not obeying what I know to be true. I'm not walking in my faith. I'm, I'm willfully sinning, and that brings anxiety and darkness. But as a, as a believer, 8, 1, Romans 8, 1 says there's no condemnation. I'm not being condemned but I'm being convicted by the Holy Spirit who's going to lead me into truth because God knows what's best for me. But as I begin to walk in what's true, what's noble, what's wise, what's pure, what's lovely, what's good, the peace of God is ever more present in my life. So know, love, and obey God's word. My third point is built on Philippians 1.6. I love this verse. Boy, I, I recall this a lot. <laughs> I probably will till my last breath. Being confident of this, that he, that's God, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let that sink in. You didn't become a believer because you somehow woke up one day and said, I did the math, I calculated the outcomes, somehow... This seems like a good idea. No one's ever been saved by intellectual understanding alone. It's intellectual and it's heart. It's your mind and your heart. You, 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 you understand it and you know it in your very core that you need to be set free from your condition, your sin, your separation from God. But being confident, God who began this work in you, most of us probably got saved through hearing the word of God. And maybe you heard it multiple times from a preacher, but sometimes it took life events, right? Things are happening in your life for it all to make sense. It's like the perfect storm. And all of a sudden it made, yes, I need this. This is what I'm lacking. Yes, Jesus, I, God did that. I'm not saying everybody has to have that sort of chaotic experience when it comes to salvation. I certainly did. Uh, but the point is this God initiated your faith. He began wooing and drawing you, opening up your heart, your mind to the truth that you need his son in your life and his atoning sacrifice. And it all began to make sense. The word of God was spoken and it, it all began to, to kind of make sense. And then even if it doesn't make sense, I mean, I got, I didn't understand what it meant to ask Jesus in my heart. I just knew I needed help. And I knew that Jesus was the answer. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. Oftentimes, I feel anxiety or lack of peace because I feel like it's all up to me. Gosh, I blew it. I did one too many things wrong. Once you're a child of God, there's no going back. When you're born into the family of God by faith, there's no being unborn. That's, I, 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 will, I, I could challenge anybody who wants to... to, to uh, argue against that. There's no going back. Jesus is hanging on to you with his hand. He's, he's got, his grip is on you. You're not going to be let go. Emotions and your feelings are not a, indicative of who you are. Don't let your emotions tell you you're not saved. If you truly believe that Jesus Christ came as a baby and it was planned from eternity past, to be your Savior, and you believe that, you are saved. Now, the third step, 
in experiencing everlasting peace of God is be confident in the character and promises of God. Now, you won't know the, you won't know the character and promises of God if you don't love and, and read His Word. So I encourage you to read His Word, apply that in your life. But know His promises, know His character. He's trustworthy. He loves you. He loves you so much. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. What was the peace that he left? He took care of sin's problem. He left the cross behind for us. That's the peace that he left with us. The peace he gives you is the Holy Spirit that lives in you when you say yes to Jesus. He promised when I go to be with the Father, the Holy Spirit will come and he'll make, take up residency in your heart. He'll be your guide, your comforter. He'll be your revealer of truth. That's what Jesus left for us. And Jesus didn't give this as the world gives. The world always gives with strings attached, right? Or it's fickle, temporary. They don't really mean that uh, Indian giver comes to mind. Jesus is no Indian giver. He gave you his all. And when you receive that, you will never lose it. He will never take it away. I do not give as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. As the worship team comes forward, I, I, just, I, wanna, I just want you to ask yourselves, where are you at right now? Are, are, you, are you looking for peace in circumstances? You might find it, but it's fleeting. If you're looking for peace with God through good works and going to church, it ain't going to happen. Peace is found and sweet baby Jesus, who grew up to be a man, was hung on the cross, punished for your sins and my sins. Like a lamb led to slaughter, he went to the cross. He was meek and mild. He didn't utter a word, the Bible tells us. He didn't bust out the sword and start wreaking havoc in the real sense. His authority was his word or his sword. Who he was, a representative of the kingdom of God, that was his authority. And he came to do battle for you, for your soul, that you might enjoy him forever and make much of him today. Now, some in this room might be thinking, well, Mark, you know, I've got all the peace I can, I can handle. My life is good. Last night, as I was wrestling with the message and what I wanted to leave with you, I really felt like... The Lord wanted me to share this verse with you. I don't think there's a slide. It just came late last night. But if you don't feel like you need the peace of Christ, if you don't need to be reconciled to God because you're, you're, you're too narrow focused on your own world, which is peaceful and maybe prosperous, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 3 says this, now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Because yeah, we, we, we have this. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Can anybody ever predict when a thief is going to show up? No. This is what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. Nobody knows. Jesus even said, I don't know the day and the time, but my Father in heaven does. Then it goes on to say, while people are saying, maybe this is you here or online, while people are saying, there is peace and security in my life, 
I don't need this. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. There's no escaping God's judgment. If you reject the message of Jesus Christ, you bring judgment upon yourself by rejecting what Jesus did for you. And in a sense, there's no escaping for the Christian from the judgment seat of Christ. See, there's two judgments. One, the white, great white throne of judgment, which is God judging mankind, whether or not their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, you've received the free gift of salvation. Are you in the book? God will say, nope, I'm sorry. You missed your opportunity. It was right before you. And I'm sorry, you have to spend eternity away, separated from me. We'll call it hell's fire. There's also a judgment of believers. We will be judged by our works. How well we steward what Jesus Christ bought for us, what he did for us, the spiritual gifting he's given us, the, the talents, the treasure. Did we make much of him or much of ourselves? And when I stand before that judgment, I want Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But no one's going to escape the judgment of either God or Christ. You're either in heaven or you're not. You're either a child of the devil or you're a child of God. Today, if you feel like your life today, which is temporal and fleeting, it's here today but may be gone tomorrow. If you think that you don't need to worry about this until next week or next Christmas, like a thief in the night, Jesus could come back in all of his glory. You might get hit on 620 making a right going to eat lunch today. I don't know. I don't want to sound morbid. I just want you to understand the urgency of the moment. Don't let another Christmas come and go where you make little baby Jesus your symbol of peace instead of receiving the Prince of Peace as your personal Savior. Thank you for listening to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. We are a church that is passionate about knowing Christ and making him known in our city, the nation, and the ends of the earth. For more information on who we are, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook.